Thanks for downloading the podcast and for choosing to take part in the conversation today. I'm Deanna Fletcher. And if you haven't already, please do hit subscribe right now so you don't ever miss out on Hyde Apart episodes to come. How do we find joy? What do we need to be truly happy? Is comparison really my enemy? And have I checked my privacy settings before I post that video? A few questions we tend to ask ourselves, but perhaps don't really seek out the answers. Well, I thought who better to ask than the joy evangelist herself. You may know today's guest simply as Chewbacca Mum. A few years ago, Candace Payne brought her infectious laughter and newly purchased Star Wars mask, which she called her best present to herself, to the internet. A short video filmed on her phone for her online friends, which went viral to the tune of over 170 million views, making it the most viewed Facebook Live video to date. Candace has written about finding freedom in her ability to laugh it up in her new book and joins me in conversation this week for Heights of Heart. I started by asking her how life has changed since becoming the Chewbacca mum. Oh my goodness. Well, we just, you know, I take a few more selfies when I'm out with people than I don't know. Um, but but besides that, not much. I mean, it, it's it's changed as far as the public aspect of it and what I get to do on a day-to-day basis. But as far as me being a mama and just going through life, that's not changed at all. What's been your other best birthday present to yourself? Or has nothing before or since really <laughs> compared to the experience this gave you? Oh, nobody's asked me that. Um, I, You know what? I think that that's probably the highest that it's ever been. And I can't remember very many times that I've actually gotten something for myself on my birthday. So um, yeah, that has to be it. That takes the cake. (laughs) I mean, you've even been hailed by um, Cosmopolitan as a joy evangelist. You've been everywhere, you've been all the late night shows. So tell me, where did the journey begin for you in discovering the power of joy and really the impact you can have on your life? Oh, wow. Well, you have you ever discovered something about yourself that you didn't know was there because you just took it for granted. Um, I think that that's really something that I have walked through this past 19 months since that video happened. Um, For me, I found out that joy is something that a lot of people don't fight for or don't even acknowledge that they need until it comes to complete depletion. And they realize, I'm done. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're at the end of their ropes and then they think, oh, how did I get here? And for me, joy is something that I, it's a necessity. It's like air. It has to be something that I have uh, always. And I always just kind of assumed I'm not the person that needs to be funny right now. Try to chill out. Don't, don't laugh at this. You know, I, I've often self-diagnosed myself and created a disease called um, emotional displacement disorder. That sounds pretty real though. That sounds like a real thing. It's not, it's not. (laughs) It's just the fact that, you know, when you're supposed to, you know, maybe cry, you find yourself laughing or vice versa. I'm one of those people that I just, I've always wanted to find out what it was like to have a life that was positive and stay positive and um, really discovering that what it what it was is uh, joy is something that's had to be fought for in my life. And I'd realized that people weren't doing this on a normal basis. And, you know, I was a worship leader forever. 
uh, growing up. And I was always the one that wanted to have like a fun time dancing around and, and have a tambourine out. But then everybody else is crying and weeping and on their knees. And I'm like, is this something different about me? I just found out that something really is in me that wants to seek out fun and wants to seek out to remain positive and have joy. Well, tell me a bit more about your background because we might think of you as this super positive person uh, with great happiness and joy in your life. But obviously, you've been through been through quite a lot. It sounds like you fought a few demons already in your life. Oh man! Well, you would assume from a one dimensional view of a lady that's laughing in her car for four minutes that nothing's really wrong in my in my life, and I've never really gone through anything hard. Or you probably just think, oh, she was she was born that way. She's like that. She's just one of those happy people. Uh, but the reality is, is that um, nobody's immune from life. Nobody is immune from life being hard and being difficult, and regret and all the things that we walk through. You know, for me, I was nine years old and found myself homeless with my family, living in a van, literally living in a van, um, pulling into RV spots and taking coin showers. The hardest of times that I can remember were when I wanted to take my own life. You know, I, I found myself trying to commit suicide when I was in college. Um, just like everybody else I've, that's ever tried to be married before. Hello, is this the day that my marriage is going to end? You know, I mean, it's not like it's all been roses. It has been something that I've literally had to fight for and find joy in the middle of everything. Well, in your new book, Laugh It Up, you do talk about um, your suicide attempt uh, when you were mm. when you were much younger. Tell me about that experience and what got you through it. You know, that was probably the hardest um, thing to sit back and recollect and write about because I honestly don't let my mind go there a lot. Uh, if you've walked through something like that and you've come on the other side, you don't take the time to sit and stew on it. And for me, actually just looking back in the season that I'm in now, it was hard to remember through that moment what kept me going. And I honestly remember that night I was trying to, I don't want to alarm your listeners right now, but if any of them are a little bit young, I'm going to be vague here, but I was trying to see how far I had to cut yeah. to be able to kill myself. Mm -hmm. And um, my college roommate walked in and found me there. And I mean, I was just crying and sobbing and I was, I was ashamed, you know, all the things. And she helped me bandage myself, call my parents, let them know what had happened. Um, she helped me get up off the floor and, you know, all she did with me the rest of the night was walk, walk that campus in a big, huge circle. And she didn't say a word. And I remember thinking how much that that was really, really the, the first time I'd seen Jesus in a friendship. I'd seen Jesus in a person is, is just walking with me and not saying anything and just being there. Um, and there was such power in just being present. And um, I thought it was the first time I realized, okay, I can have joy again. I, I can actually do this. Mm. It's so hard sometimes because we see people in our lives go through difficult things. I mean, in your case, that was a life-saving moment and a life-changing moment. It's huge that your friend walked in when she walked in, but it's hard to to go through the journey with someone when we don't know what to say and we don't know how to behave and how to respond and how to act. It's like, there are so many things that happen in life. You want to be a support. You want to be a good Christian. How do, but how? Mm -hmm. We're not trained. We're not trained for these things. 
And I love that you just said there, like, it's such a great example of somebody walking with you. Like, how can we walk through life with people and just be that companion and be Jesus to people in such a simple, stripped back and achievable way? Oh, well, I think many people, you probably already know this if, if you're breathing. Many people are tired of being preached at. And I think many people are are tired of of feeling as though they need another answer or they need another fix. Sometimes there's there's just this beautiful power that comes with um, being present. And, you know, the Bible tells us very clearly, it says, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And I, I don't know a single person that if you're mourning with somebody that you're giving them five points and a sermon about how to change and get better, you're sitting there with them and you're crying with them. That's what it is. It's being with them in the moment. And you're right. No, Listen, all of us can say at any point, I'm not qualified to know what to do here. And just be authentic. I think we're tired of people trying to have so many answers and trying to be the next wisest thing. You, You don't have to live up to that. You just have to be present that's so powerful in and of itself is just to be with someone in the middle of whatever they're going through. Just your presence is good enough. What's it been like writing about all these really deeply personal experiences and sharing with them with goodness knows who through your new book? (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) There's a level of vulnerability that's going to always happen. Um, But I also, I heard a quote when I was like 17 that I remember writing down and I loved it. It said, your level of vulnerability will always lead to a level of intimacy. And I feel like I've gained um, several, several new friends through this that I don't even know. There, I mean, you're across the world reading my story, and I know I've opened it up. I've opened up a vulnerable pot place and story about who I am. But I also feel like there's this intimate, in a really weird way, an intimate connection with strangers that I don't even know about. Because the story in and of itself offers that. Um, the authenticity of just saying, I'm going to be real about this moment, opens up something much deeper between two people. I mean, I wanted people, when they got my book, to feel as though they were sitting in a coffee shop with me, having a very candid conversation, <laughs> and and got to know me a little bit more. I don't know. It's really odd to meet strangers that know a lot about your life when you start talking. <laughs> but it's it's actually it's been it's been a beautiful thing as well. Sometimes I'm going to be honest. I'll ask questions knowing the answer, but I don't want people to be freaked out about how famous right. they are or yes, yeah, like I know all this about you, but I'm going to ask you like I don't know to make you <laughs> right. feel better. Right. The thing is, though, I think you've made millions of friends because your, your video just that just that Chewbacca mom video has been viewed like almost 200 million times you've broken records what was going through your mind though when you posted that it was such a beautifully authentic moment of just a woman having a laugh but why did you film it and why did you put it online Oh, goodness. I was just trying to entertain and and enjoy my mom friends at maybe in a carpool line somewhere. I mean, like, really? We had 30 minutes to adult and pick up our kids from school. And so I thought, hey, my mom friends will get a kick out of this, regardless what they're going to see on Instagram tonight of my kids with this fun mask. I wanted to prove that it was mine first. (laughs) And so, (laughs) I mean, that was really it. There was no other intention. I think the surprise for me was um, a couple of things. If you're just being raw about that moment, 
there was the mask fit my face freakishly well, which it shouldn't. <laughs> it's a child's mask. So that already made me giggly. And then the last time I had seen Chewbacca in a movie of the Star Wars canon, he was so sad because uh, this is a spoiler alert, but we're we're about three re- years removed we're from fine. The Force Awakens. Yeah, we've all so. seen it. I was about to say, you need to see it. But when Han Solo had died, the yes. last thing that we saw was just this sad Wookiee. And here I am looking in my phone um, reverse lens on my dashboard, and it's the happiest Wookiee I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And I thought, that thing is so hilarious. <laughs> and it just took me back. And, you know, whenever you have that laugh that you just can't stop and you don't even know why you started it, it, it just happened to be one of those moments. And... You know, the rest is, um, it's history. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, good Lord, I didn't know the privacy settings on a video when I posted it, but now I do. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you learn the hard way. And now, yeah, millions of people have shared that fun moment with you. So what do we actually need then to be happy? Do we need to be skinnier, have more money, get married, get married again, get a new job? Like, what do we actually need? Oh, my gosh. I, I think the real everybody wants joy and everybody wants happiness. You know what I mean? They all want it, but it's a byproduct of something else. It's, it has to be rooted in hope. And I think we don't realize that, you know, I've, I've met a lot of hopeless people and they haven't had joy and I'm serious. Like they, they have, they've lost their hope, meaning they've lost their joy. But I've, I've also met some people that have been in hopeless circumstances. Like, I've, I've been in Tanzania just this past year and witnessed women that had no more value than a cow. No more value than, than a piece of cattle in their cu- culture. Um, and, and here they are. They have more joy than most Americans. But if you have hope inside that this is not my last day. Life is going to get better. This is not where my story ends. You can have joy. It is is absolutely possible. But if you take away a man's hope, oh my goodness, you take away his, his possibility for joy ever. So what are three really practical things that we can do to start bringing more joy into our lives, particularly if we're not feeling so great? You know, it's the start of the year. It's the cold mm. months. How can we be more joyful? I think the first thing that you got to remember is that joy is playful. Um, So you need to play. If you're finding yourself stuffy and taking yourself too seriously, uh, get outside. Maybe take your kids to a park or a playground. Maybe you need to get a board game out. Um, Find a way for you to play um, and, and engage with that person that has fun because you've probably lost that person somewhere. Um, Do something that will engage that muscle. Um, the other thing I would think is it's so easy to be a little curmudgeon if you just focus on yourself. So stop thinking about yourself. Find, find a way that you can see a need in somebody else and fill that need. I think it's so important to look outside your own circumstances, even when they're the bleakest, and look at somebody else and say, how can I help somebody today? Um, we forget that life is not all about us and our needs and our wants, that there are others around us that are in different circumstances and that maybe are in more dire circumstances than even us. And sometimes you just got to see that and lift your head up and say, today I'm going to find my joy in giving. And that is so powerful. We forget that, that other people need us and we forget how good we feel when we do it. So I would say find a need and fill a need in somebody else's life. 
And then lastly, I would challenge people. And I'm, I do this in my um, study that goes along with Laugh It Up, Defiant Joy. The first week, I ask people to find one full day, 24 hours, just one day. Take a 24-hour challenge of trying not to think a negative thought or say a negative response first. Like, you can have it, but but try to be positive first and see if you can do it for 24 hours. And uh, see how successful you are and take account of where your thoughts are. I think our thoughts frame who we really are in the end. And most people are thinking negatively on a daily basis and don't even realize it. That's a pretty big challenge, a whole day of reacting yeah. positively. <laughs> Have you do, You've done that. Do you do that every day? Can you, is that I, cool? I do it once a week. Oh I do it gosh. once a week. And I try to maintain that every single week. I find a Tuesday. Well, today's my day. So um, I find. Do you find yourself becoming joyful about Tuesdays or do you dread Tuesdays? No, I actually really love it. I love it because um, I've learned now that it's going to be a day that I find myself responding different. As a matter of fact, um, it, it helps me frame how I talk to my husband, how I talk to my kids, how I talk to the people around me. You know, we don't realize how, how jerkish we can be to the service industry. You, you don't get your fries right and you're going to go nuts on somebody. Are you kidding? Just just be kinder. And, and that is for me, I love, I love that. I love the challenge of it. Joyful Tuesdays, I think, are just going to become a thing in general. So thanks for starting yeah. that. We do live in a world, though, that is full of comparison. Whether we are conscious mm. of it, like you mentioned or not, we don't necessarily realize that we're thinking in a negative way, we're beating ourselves up. So how does comparison steal our joy? Oh, my goodness. I talk about comparison in Laugh It Up as a frenemy. Uh, that's the best example I could give because I look at comparison starts off as a good thing. We just think, oh, I'm going to measure myself. I'm going to measure my ability and keep track of how well I'm doing here. And maybe I could do better. We think of it as like this self-improvement thing when it all starts off, you know. But the reality is, is we find ourselves never measuring up or never being enough. And for me, that is a rat race you will never win. You will be a hamster on a wheel the rest of your life. And it'll sit It'll just literally still and suck your joy quicker than anything else I've ever experienced. Uh, there's, there's something wonderful about the person who knows who they are. Um, I'm reading a book right now, and it's so good, but it just talks about the gift of being yourself. And I really love this concept of, of it is a gift when you know who you are to not only you, but to the people around you. I think... People don't understand that we are waiting. The whole world is waiting for you to figure out who you are and to just be that because it's enough. And boy, if, if you're on that race right now to try to be anybody or anything else, it, it will steal your joy and it'll suck it away from you as quick as you, as you could even blink your eye. If you think back to when you were in your 20s, when you were at <laughs> university, college, maybe you were starting a family... What advice would you give to your 20-something self now, or what would you pass on to millennials of today, based mm. on your life experience? I would say, be more concerned with who you are than where you are in life. Um, I believe that, honestly, kindness, um, character, integrity, compassion, those aren't just things that are tools that we can use to become a better person their character traits. And if I'd known that, that that's what really was important to work on, 
then, um, I really feel like a lot of things would have been different for me. I, you know, I just kind of took them as, well, I've got to be those things in order to be a good person. So I'll just try to be those things. And I would say to myself, well, well, if I was a little bit more kind or compassionate, then, you know, maybe I'd do better here. I would always use them as though they were just a tool or a trick. I didn't realize that that's really who is needing to come out of me. And it was possible. And we all know it. Listen, we, we can spot the fake and phony in anybody so quick. And as a matter of fact, you, you watch any of these reality TV shows that are musical competitions and, <laughs> you know, what's the first person to go home? It's the first person that's arrogant or prideful. And America votes them off. Uh, that's what we do over here. We, we see that first person that's got a little bit of pride and we're done. And really the world loves people that are authentic and kind and have integrity and that show us a different light. And so I would say to that, Candace, hey, don't don't just do that to be able to be um, a better person at anything else that you want to dream up. Do it because it's who you are. One of the things you write about um, is how you, when you were younger, kind of hid behind laughter or making other people laugh when in fact mm. you were actually hurting. So mm. how do we go about removing some of those masks or those things we might hide behind for you it might have been being an entertainer because hmm. um, I, I think a lot of those times they're linked with shame aren't they I know that was a battle for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and I feel like those moments in my life have always come at being the laughter at somebody else's expense and really what it's 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 done to me it's because I've been trying to make people think I'm something that I'm not or trying to fit somebody else's mold you know, I may be fun and funny, but that doesn't mean that that's the only layer or color that I that I can give other people. And for me, I struggled with that. I thought, oh, okay, I'm starting to receive friendship and I'm starting to see receive love because I'm funny. So if I do that more, maybe I'll receive more love. Maybe if I say something else funny, I'll get this and this and this. It, there was a payoff to it. and And really at the end of my days, when I would be alone, it wasn't enough because I thought, okay, I've built up this false relationship with my friends and the people around me thinking that I have to get their love by the way that I make them laugh. And I don't know if they really love me. Um, you know, this whole conversation, I don't know how it keeps on circling back to this. And I think it's maybe just because somebody that's listening to it needs to hear, but genuinely who you are is enough. You don't have to perform. You don't have to, um, dance for it. You don't have to be like a little trained monkey trying to get somebody's affection. If people love you, they're going to love you mm. and to rest in that. And, and I was not resting in that, in that season at all, man, I was doing everything I could to get love, to, to really love myself and to get love from other people. And when I stopped striving for that, my whole life changed. It really did. And I could come and take that mask off with confidence and not feel ashamed at all, at all. I am loving the power of the testimony today. Thank you so much for sharing so candidly. We're almost done. Not quite, not, not quite done, which I'm glad about. <laughs> uh, what, what or who makes you laugh? There's a question. What really gets you? Oh my goodness. I love watch. I'm a people observer. I love watching people. It doesn't have to be something 
that's really comical or a punchline from a joke, but it could just be a nuance that somebody has and they don't know that they have it. I love those. I laugh. I, and I find myself laughing at my kids because of the weird things that I see them do. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Why are you doing that right now? Um, I love physical humor. I do. I do. Listen, America's Funniest Home Videos, when somebody gets hit in the crotch with a bat, I laugh every time. <laughs> I hate those every shows. Time. I just don't get it. <laughs> and I don't know why. I'm like, oh my gosh, they just got hit in the crotch. Like, I saw it coming, <laughs> but it's still so funny. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, some of my humor level You is have not a that dark high. sense of humor, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. And... Um, I, I laugh at bizarre stuff that probably most most people wouldn't catch as funny. but um, And I know I do because I'm that person in the movie theater that I'm the only one laughing in the whole movie theater is quiet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Little things make me giggle that probably don't make others giggle. Has, um, has, any, yeah. has anyone ever said to you afterwards in a movie where perhaps you were the only person laughing, <laughs> oh, I recognized your voice. You're the Chewbacca mum. No, no, <laughs> That's going to happen Thank one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I did see Jumanji um, and I was laughing so hard at that. And other people weren't laughing and I'm sitting here thinking, y'all, this is hilarious. Why is nobody <laughs> laughing at this right now? I was, I was in a dead theater. Something happened. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, tough crowd. Oh, well. <laughs> There's actually, there's actually this second amazing, you've had a very good YouTube career so far in your year and a bit of being a celebrity. Um, there's this other amazing clip of you online singing the national anthem at um, oh, yeah. baseball, right? You're playing baseball. It was actually the Houston Astros and oh. they're our World Series champs this year. So, yay. Well, congratulations. I can't yeah. say I follow too closely, but, I, you know, <laughs> baseball, that's awesome. You have an insane voice, by the way. Like, it's actually... Wow ridiculous honestly it's what I like that better than the Chewbacca mom video I was sitting there like almost crying and you're singing not even my national anthem um but it turns out <laughs> it turns out that you're a worship leader in your local church so um I'm, I'm curious to know how does this philosophy of joy that um has impacted your life so much does that also impact your understanding of worship well, uh, I, I will tell you this. I have been somebody that has sung since I was a little bitty kid. And I actually thought if anybody was going to know who I was in this world, it was going to be through my singing. And my best friend, after the video went viral, the same one that walked with me that night um, in homecoming week of college when I tried to commit suicide, we got together and, and we had a cup of coffee about three weeks after the video went viral. And she said, Candace. I always knew the world would find you. I just never thought it would be like this. And I, we just laughed about it because, you know, I mean, here we are. We're thinking that I was going to sing or maybe do something with music. Um, but as far as being a worship leader and discovering joy, you know, I don't jump around a lot, by the way. A lot of people in these churches do nowadays, and bless them. I feel like they're doing like a Zumba class or they're, they're doing some sort of exercise. I'm like, I cannot keep up with y'all. But I do find that there is something attractive about exuberance. There's something that draws people in um, to make you enthusiastic when they're enthusiastic. And that is, that's actually like a skill. That's something that, that you have that's just naturally pulling people. And so for me, I love being able to lead worship with a heart that's full of joy because it feels free. In all honesty, it just feels free. And so I love um, doing that. That 
worship and music for me is just an extension of who I am. It's not something that I'm trying out <laughs> or I'm like, hey, I'd like to try to be talented. It's just something I've grown up with. Music's been a part of our family reunions. Oh my gosh, I can remember when I was a little kid, my family would get out these little cassette tapes that were accompaniment tracks to Southern gospel musics, and we'd have a sing-off. I mean, at our family reunion, it wasn't like we could just be normal people and play horseshoes or, you know, play a game of a board game or something. We were, we were singing the whole time. And um, so for me, music has always been an extension. It's been a right arm of what I do and how I respond to life anyways. So it's just part of who I am. Well, Candice, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, really appreciate your time. Before you go, let me ask you, what are you hoping that readers will take away from Laugh It Up? I really hope more than just discovering who I am. If that's all you're looking for, that's great. That's fine. But I, I, I really hope that people will discover joy is possible and it's not a luxury. It's not something frivolous that's only given and afforded for those that have time for it. I really believe that people can find in the pages of that book and rediscover joy like they never have before. Um, and that's my hope. And I hope it for generations, not just for right now. I hope that it lasts beyond my days and my life. My thanks to Candace Payne for speaking with us today. Her book, Laugh It Up, is available now from Zondervan and wherever really good books are sold. There's more soon, so do check back with us later for another conversation and be sure to subscribe to the Hide of Heart podcast so you don't miss any updates. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to having your company again soon.